0: Welcome to episode number 24 of Bleeding Blue and the New York Football Giants beat the San Francisco 49ers and won their second game of the season in what was a dangerous, apocalyptic-like football game. We had Booger McFarland, borderline unhealthy air conditions, a solid Eli Manning performance, And even better O-line performance, Booger McFarland. And today, we will finally have our ethics on tanking discussion. So, without further ado, let's bleed blue. um housekeeping there's there's some there's some mini little announcements in here there's some mini little announcements follow me on twitter at jpenic 74 as always jpenic 74 follow david on twitter at david double underscore powis correct yes sir lovely david double underscore powis at jpenic 74 bleeding blue is also in the process of making its own twitter so if you want a jump On following Bleeding Blues Twitter, it's Bleeding double underscore Blue. I took a page out of David's book because the double underscore thing works. Yeah, nobody does. Yeah, so if you look up Bleeding Blue, NY Giants, Yankees podcasts or whatever, if you want to get, we're not going to be tweeting for now because there's some other things that I'm setting up. But if you want to jump on it, follow us there. We are also in the process of making a website. Isn't that fascinating, David? That's really exciting. Tell yes. me more, Justin. Yeah, the website is created, but it's not public. I'm just fixing some things. I want to make it look nice. I have some friends who are really nice, who are communications majors. Shout out to Emily Graham, who created the logo. Shout out to Michelle McCann, who's a good friend of mine. All communications majors. They're going to help me out with the website. They've made some websites before. So that'll be within the next few weeks, I'm hoping. Also, as always, five stars on iTunes. Write a review if you really like what you hear. Follow and like the episodes on SoundCloud if you don't have a, an, a, an Android device. If you don't have an iPhone, I whatever device. If you start leaving some funny reviews, nice reviews, mushy reviews if you really like us and if you're really attached to us, which I don't think you are yet. But make me laugh. Whoever leaves the best five-star reviews on iTunes and if you don't have iTunes – just tweet at me or share the podcast to your Twitter followers and then say something funny, say something nice there. We will be having some sort of contest probably, probably spring, maybe even earlier than that. I may, I may do a jersey thing and then the tickets may be the summer. So, but do you know, that.
1: So, Justin, what you're saying is there's absolutely no reason to not listen to Bleeding Blue.
0: We have to listen and then you have to it's like no, us.
1: It, there's no reason that you e- viewers do not or listeners do not have a reason to not listen that we're giving them so many incentives besides just besides just this grade A top shelf insight of our minds. Hardest work hardest working podcast in the game. You know what I mean?
0: Our beautiful minds.
1: Beautiful minds.
0: We have beautiful minds. So speaking of our beautiful minds, yes. David, where is your beautiful mind heading into this space? How are you doing this week, today, right now?
1: I'm, uh, I'm pretty good. Uh, you know, honestly, my week goes the way the Giants week goes. And the Giants had a good week. Therefore, I'm having a good week. it's how, how it works. My, it's, very, it's a one-to-one correlation, always.
0: My junior year of high school, I said that same thing to my honors English teacher. And I said that in front of the whole class too, because I think he might've just asked me a question. He was a pretty sassy human being too. Um, And I was just, I guess I was just really feeling down that one week, really feeling down. And I was just like the Giants lost and that's why I feel shitty. And he's like, that's a pathetic excuse. To (laughs) He's like, "I I feel sorry for you. That's like what he said. And I'm like, I took a moment to really like reflect on that. Then I'm like, I don't care.
1: I don't yeah, care. No, you pro- that your, your English teacher was probably a Jets fan.
0: That's like the only explanation. My English teacher seemed like the person to just not like a lot of things in life.
1: Oh yeah, you
0: can't you can't take any stock into what those kinds of people say. But he was a qual- he was an overall quality human being. I think he was mainly uh, just busting. Like. He was just a person that really liked to bust. Um, how old are you when you're a junior in college and a junior in high school?
1: In high school, you're probably yeah. like.
0: 17 16 yeah. All right, so yeah, he just—he was just a guy that really liked to bust a bunch of sixteen-year-olds' uh Yeah, got to be careful in what context you say that, right? Yeah. That could be a really good soundbite.
1: Yeah, now, see, now what's going to happen is you're going to have lots of people leaving great reviews on iTunes.
0: Oh, one-star you're gonna get, reviews! You're going to
1: get your poor English teacher, you know, locked up or at least arrested for. Others.
0: I know. Oh, good job, Justin. It's all my fault. It's a man for others. My fault. Yeah. What a what a man. What a man for others um yeah so the new york football giants won and i frankly i didn't feel any different about it until today where yeah. i i felt the same as if we lost but until today because i watched sterling shepherd they had sterling mm-hmm. shepherd would up yeah and they had him you know for the whole play and then also when he went back to the sideline he's like Hey ten, hey ten, you're a dog, ten, you're a dog, or you said something not like a dog, like in a bad way, like like you're you're a dog, you what's up dog, like that um and and I'm like, okay, that makes me feel happy, like that makes yeah. me feel happy that this loss, or I'm sorry, whoa, DC, I'm just so used to it That's that this win happy. that this win actually means something in the smallest of ways rather than hurts us in the long run um it, it it was nice it was nice but i will tell you what i tweeted this is probably one of my best tweets my brain wanted the giants to lose but my heart wants them to win so you, do you want to know what what won when sterling shepherd scored that that touchdown that winning touchdown my brain or my heart? Which do you think won on Monday night?
1: Your heart had to win.
0: Nope. Are you serious? When Sterling <laughs> Shepard <when Sterling laughs> caught the touchdown.
1: No, that's disgusting.
0: When Sterling Shepard caught the touchdown, I said, oh, fuck.
1: No. No, no, I I, I can't get behind that. I, I just, I don't accept that. No. Say it's not true.
0: No, it, it is. I and i tweeted i i said the first thing i said was oh fuck i did i my heart wanted them to win my brain wants them to lose because it's the smart thing and we're gonna get all into that with our ethics of tanking discussion um but yeah it was it was a it was a strange strange evening strange evening
1: let me ask you a question justin Yes, and, and the only reason I say this is because I, I don't know if you've caught if you've like caught on to it, but obviously during the week Odell Beckham came out and didn't really guarantee anything, but was just like, "What's the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is to go nine and seven and make the playoffs." Right mm-hmm. now, obviously, this is a strictly hypothetical. I don't even think if they got to nine and seven, I still don't think they'd be in the playoffs. But that's a different story. If they win out, right? It's incredible. They go nine and seven. They still miss the playoffs. How do you feel?
0: If I mean, if they win out, you can't be mad. If they finish with the winning record, as everybody was predicting they this finish, season,
1: then they finish with a winning record, but nine and seven will also probably get them about the seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth pick in the draft. Right, twentieth pick in the draft. So, so you, someone who <clears throat> is claiming that their brain won over their heart, uh, when Sterling Shepard caught the game-winning touchdown. As somebody who, you seem to be a bit more on the, uh, maybe not necessarily tank, but losing is not the worst thing in the world at this point. You're kind of on that boat.
0: Yeah. If, yeah.
1: They, if they managed to get to 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and seven, and they're in the middle of the draft now, but they showed, a, they showed a really good fight and they played good football down the stretch. Are you like, where is your, where is your heart going to be? Like, what do you, what do you like? How are you going to feel? Obviously you don't know what happens.
0: Well, I'll, well, I'll tell you what, if they finish eight and eight and nine at seven, that's showing more than just good fight. I think it would be because giants still have some good football teams to play. (laughs) Yeah. Giants still have some really good football teams to play. And I really only think realistically there's one, you can argue two more winnable games left on their schedule. The rest are, the rest are, are losses as of right now. Do you mind telling
1: um, me what they
0: are? The two winnable games that I feel the Giants have left um, is this Sunday against the Bucs. I think they mm-hmm. can win that. And then against the Colts. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, the Colts and Andrew Luck, they're slinging it right now. And the Giants defense has been trending downward um, these past couple of weeks, unfortunately, especially their run defense. Um, you know, obviously you, you, trade, you trade away snacks and you trade away Eli Apple. These kind of things are going to happen. Giants defense was terrible. Monday night and the fact that they that that 49er offense that that practice squad third string quarterback was able to do the things that he wanted to do and and here we go again with Giants can't cover tight ends and how were we ever so excited for Alec Ogletree to ever get traded onto this team Guilty as charge, everybody was guilty as charge. Yeah. You know, how we were able ever so excited for that to happen, BJ Goodson had a game, and he's been a kind of the player that we think that he can be and he can well. grow into. Yeah. I mean, ever he,
1: since ever since I claimed that I thought he could be a guy who gets traded, I said a couple of weeks ago, he he's showing out, he's playing really good football. So I mean, I'm happy yeah. to see that. Never it's never a bad thing to have a a, a good young linebacker start stepping up.
0: Yeah. And especially when he's had so many health problems, you know, that he's been healthy yeah. and that he's been out there. Um, You know, it's been a, it's been a good sign. Lorenzo Carter has looked good. Yeah. Um, The pressure by the Giants defensive line is non-existent. It's not there. It was there the last play of the game where it needed to be. And that was quite a, that was quite a call by James Betcher to bring the pressure on a third string. And it makes sense to yeah, bring the pressure was, on a practice squad, rookie quarterback to seal the game. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious because every episode has to take a turn about Eli Manning. Right. Um, what does Sunday, if anything, tell you about Eli Manning?
0: What Monday, David? What Monday told me about Eli <laughs> What Monday told me about Eli Manning is nothing nothing different. Um he played well. This game was one of the first times that he really had a perfect, perfect environment in terms of not having defenders and not having guys in his face he was sacked once he had to be hit no more than three times throughout the entire game um and he played well and we saw the last drive eli manning found a way to get it done here's what i will say the now this is this is not the giants fault this is not eli's fault We've criticized the Giants not finding a ways to score points despite the NFL basically trying to give offenses points. What happened that last drive? Officiating was begging the Giants to win that game. Yeah. Begging the Giants.
1: Both the calls that they, both the, I, I imagine you're, you're talking to the defensive holding on Saquon Barkley and then the pass interference against Odell. Yeah. I mean, both those calls were correct calls. They were accurate. They were they were good. They they should be called throughout, you know, regardless of the game situation. Those are both penalties. But I, I I see what you're saying. They certainly did get some aid from the officials. Now, the important thing is, countless times in the past two years, we've seen the Giants get those calls and still get a field goal. I think what's important is they they got the ball all the way there. They they got the ball down the field, hit Saquon, and then right after that, hit Shepard for touchdown. Don't make it, you know, no questions asked. Don't get to fourth down. Don't get to third down. Just get it done. Um, And I think you saw the same thing. And this is something I really liked seeing, was the first interception by B.J. Goodson, um, you know, early in the game, gave them the ball at about the 15. How many times have we seen that turned into three points and it's a three, three ball. It's a, you know, uh, a, a three, three ball game. So I think what's really nice is they were able to capitalize when they got the good field position. Obviously the second interception that they, they did nothing with, um, but they were able to take advantage more often than not of good field position of, you know, generous calls, of, you know, calls just going their way. They made the play. They made the plays when they had to. So I, that was something that I like I enjoyed seeing and it gave me a little bit of hope, maybe hope. I don't know what I'm hoping for at this point, but
0: I mean it's tough to happens. really it's tough to really have take anything away from this game besides maybe feeling good for one week because of who it was against. You know, like the fact that you had the help from the officials, but then you can still look to multiple points throughout the game. And again, you know, kind of going back to Eli. You had a lame duck of a throw. And if there's any question of is Eli Manning's arm the same as it was a couple years ago, that question was answered on that throw. Beckham had those guys beat on the streak, beat on the streak. And Eli gave the ball a, a, a pop fly fly ball kind of, kind of throw when he should have given it more of a line drive kind of throw. And Oh my God, was that a lame duck? Oh my God. he, I don't know if I've ever seen Eli miss somebody (laughs) running that deep down the field as much as it did. It almost ended up in a pass interference call because of how underthrown the ball was. Terrible throw. You also had on the last drive of the game, Saquon Barkley was running on a wheel route. I don't know if you remember this, David. He was running on a wheel route. He had behind them. Yeah he he didn't yeah. have he didn't have that much room compared to Beckham because Beckham just f- freaking just beat him off the line but Barkley had a step or two and Manning had to put that ball in front of Barkley instead I don't know why he attempted to throw a back shoulder pass to a running the, back to a, well I mean Barkley can do it Barkley uh, can make yeah, the catch
1: there's a difference between throwing that to a running back and throwing that to a receiver.
0: Remember remember the remember the game against the Texans where he basically had the one of the clinchers where he caught yeah. that ball over yeah, the defender? Yeah. He could make those catches, but my overall point is, is that why is Eli Manning yeah, trying to attempt why is he trying to attempt a back shoulder pass when he had a step on him? And yeah. when you throw a back shoulder play, you're ending the play right there. Barkley could have ran the ball and he could have gotten, you know, yak. He could have gotten yards after the catch. And then also third and goal on the whatever, you know, we were inside the five, five, five yard line and Eli kill, 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 kill. He kills a play where Beckham is wide open in the slot. I'm inferring, and I'm guessing that he killed a pass play to go to a run play to Saquon that went nowhere. And it resulted in three points. How can, you know, these are multiple, multiple times where you can point to Eli, what could have been Monday, you know, Monday morning quarterback. If the giants lost, you could have pointed to that. And said, that's why the Giants lost the game.
1: You know, that last one that you brought up, uh, the kill, the killing the play inside the five. I've seen so many people going crazy about that. And it really, really annoys me because all of us are sitting at home. And we have no idea what the play call on the defense or the offensive side of the ball is. And sure, nobody was lined directly up on Odell Beckham. But. I don't know if like people don't realize this, but oftentimes defenses don't line the primary defender up right on the receivers. Like they could play, it could be playing a combination of man and zone. So sure, you had two corners on the two outside receivers, and Odell is inside. And you know, I, I'm trying to picture it in my head. I'm not looking at it right now, but I remember there's so you've got the defensive lineman down, and there's a linebacker kind of creeping up on the line. Right. All we know. Maybe Eli thought he saw, you know, he knew what he knew, what he was seeing and he knew this coverage is actually, this linebacker is dropping off in the coverage. So you kill into a running play and that run, if I remember correctly, I think that run went nowhere. Well, I know, it, no, I know, I know it went nowhere, but it, it was either designed to go up the middle or it was designed it, to go to Odell's side.
0: Now I'm pretty sure it was just up the middle. It was up the A gap.
1: So, I mean, I think what you might you what you might have had happen is, and remember, they've got Monday Night Football specifically always has the the uh, quarterback mic'd up really loud, so you can hear his his cadence and his snap count and everything going on with the quarterback. But they don't have the defense wired, like they don't have the defense wired, so you can't hear what they're doing. So when Eli kills, there's a very good chance that San Francisco knows now he he killed into a run play. So now this linebacker is not dropping back in the coverage; he's coming you know what I mean? So it looks a lot worse than I think it might've been. My gut just tells me Eli Manning's not that stupid. It's not quite as simple as that. Cause I mean, that's the kind of thing where it's like, are we just going to throw out the fact that he's a 15 year vet? Pro- I, I don't think that that one's quite as easy as people want to make it sound. It's not really like Madden. It doesn't work like that. Um, the underthrown ball on the, on the deep ball to Odell. It's awful. It's like, the worst throw. It's one of the worst throws I've seen. Probably his worst throw of the year, honestly. Uh, and he's he's had a couple clunkers. Yeah, it's just a poor throw by an old quarterback. Who, if anybody thought that Eli Manning's arm was actually the same as like five years ago, that was just stupid. But sadly, there are people out there who
0: believe that. Regardless, regardless, we're you know once again in a, in a you know in a, in a game where Eli had his 36 game winning drive. You know, we're kind of bashing him, but at the end of the day, guy did what he had to did to win the game. Guy did what he had to did to <laughs> f- put the team in a position to win the game. But again, you know, it's, it's just, you got to take it with a grain of salt, you know, just thinking of the circumstances and thinking of why, why, how it, how it came about because it's, why do you have to take it with a grain of salt? You have to, because it's, it, where are the 49ers as a team? They're, Two and eight now. It happens. Look,
1: my, you know, the, the Giants have lost six games by one score or less. And by one touchdown or less, I should say. So, eh, I don't know. You, you win a game. You win a close game finally. You're able to close a game out. You got a relatively crappy, though, high-powered offense Tampa team this Sunday. I'm intrigued to see what they do. You know, I'm not the. I no matter how much maybe my brain tells me like it's the wise decision to have them lose, I can't. I I just can't bring myself to believe to to root for that. So right, I'm intrigued to see what they do. I I think I I think they could have a nice a nice little showing at home against Tampa. Um, you I think Eli looked great. I think Eli looked great.
0: Eli looked good. He didn't look great. Um, He's, Jason Pierre-Paul. Jason Pierre-Paul. Paul. Makes his return to MetLife Stadium this Sunday. He's gonna be going up against Nate Solder. Mm-hmm. Jason Pierre Paul, I'm pretty sure. Um uh, if you combine his numbers with uh Romeo Aquara and Devon Kennard, I believe the three of those guys combined have more sacks than the Giants do as a team, which is which that's something. Um Pierre Peter- yeah. Paul has eight sacks on the- which is nuts, which is nuts. Yeah. Um yeah, so JPP makes his return. And then there was this whole thing today that came out that John Mara never called JPP after eight years, eight hard, you know, earned years and stuff like that. And Eli was the one to call him. And Dave Gettleman, besides, Dave Gettleman was the one to call him to tell him he got traded. But Eli, that that just shows Eli's character, too, that he's willing to, he, did, he didn't have to call JPP. He probably spoke to JPP, what, maybe 20, 20 times throughout they're eight years together there was no need for him to speak for them to speak together that just shows you the quality of the character of Eli but John Merritt and it was clarified that John Mara reached out in a text message to JPP but I guess it's kind of hard it, maybe it's a little bit difficult to text with like seven and a half fingers Jeez, don't don't do that don't go in there yeah, well, I mean, it's, so that's going to be an interesting matchup. JPP says he's going to bring the house. JPP is not talking trash, but he is saying that he's going to bring the house. He's thankful for everything the Giants has done. Um, so uh, that's that's going to be an interesting matchup to see the highest paid offensive lineman of all time going up against uh, our former Superman of 2011 and former um, mutant.
1: Uh, for what it's worth... Um canard uh, Aquara, and jpp have combined 18 sacks the giants have 10
0: that's what so they're almost they almost double it. it they almost doubled it okay canard's um, got, got
1: five and jpp's got ten, uh eight.
0: wow all right could we could we briefly talk about booger mcfarland just because every yeah. time we have a monday football monday night football game talked about him last time i love him but i hate him but it's i love awful. him he's awful stop that He's no I, he's so funny. No, he's not. He's did you old. know did you know that Eli Manning only made the playoffs twice in yeah. his career? Yeah. Did Crazy. you know
1: that? Crazy. Although I suppose he's probably thinking of the two Super Bowl years. So as far as Booger's concerned, he's like eight0 in the playoffs.
0: Have you ever seen hit like how he's stationed? Yeah, he's got the Mobile. Oh my God. he and he's like so high in the air. And there's a TV t- like attached to the back of it. So There's two. There's two TVs.
1: Yeah, so you can't even see the uh, – like people who are sitting in the first couple of rows can't see anything.
0: All right, so introducing um, – I, d- I actually didn't do this in the beginning, and I feel like such a terrible person. Brett Wiley, Coyote Weather 10 on Twitter. I remember that. You know Brett if you listen to the Yankee episodes – but he's here because he's going to contribute on the ethics of tanking conversation. But first, Brett Wiley, two questions for you. How are you doing? And tell me how Booger McFarland is your favorite person on planet Earth.
2: <laughs> well, I'm doing great, actually. Just got home finally. And uh, it's it's dark out and it's about to start snowing in you know, the next 12 hours or so. So uh, both are exciting in their own ways but anyway um the eagles this year have been so disappointing that coming on here is sort of bittersweet i love talking to you you know i love That's i love nice. being on all these podcasts but talking football right now is is you know eh but the the ethics of tanking now that that is something that is worth discussing
0: what do you think of a uh, booger mcfarland
2: booger mcfarland i I, I think he's cool. I, I I
0: like him. I love him. Yeah, I cool. truly do. The do you know? Do you know how badly Tony Saragusa probably wants to murder Booger McFarland? No, all you know, those he, years,
1: he, he, is trying to be Tony Saragusa, and he can't. Like you can't replace him. So oh, yeah, I,
0: I agree, sir. I, I agree. Goose is better. No, but all those years they made Tony Saragusa in the hundred degree heat and the twenty degree fahrenheit wind chills. They made that man stand on the sideline for the entire game and Booger McFarland gets his own gets his own uh, back and forth. I don't even know what you what the Booger McBeal is that Booger Mobile is that what you yeah. call it? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so he's like yeah. sitting
2: there being like, "Well, I tell you what, I was like, eating popcorn. <laughs> I was out there. You know I they'd be real messed up. It you know,
0: no, yeah. One of the things line. that he said, the the what the the most memorable quote that he said, are, the the first time around, is that when Beckham would go back to the locker room to use the bathroom or get an IV, he's like, "Oh yeah, back in my day, uh, uh, players would just piss themselves." Like, <laughs> oh yeah, okay. I remember that. I remember that. Like, all right, that's that's all right. Yeah, one of the probably this is this is a uh, this is a good quote. Some of the most impressive things I've seen is this two and seven forty ers defense play defense. That was a, that was a <laughs> quote from Monday Night. <laughs>
2: Wait. So hold on. Hold on. How is he impressed hey. when he got they got taken apart by a, a really bad Giants team? Hey. Well, I, I guess
0: I guess there were times where the Forty ers defense looked impressive, and that impressed Booger McFarland, and he wanted to say that.
2: Well, wasn't he on the Buccaneers? Didn't he play he with Warren Sapp? At- yeah, yes,
1: yeah. that's right now. Actually,
2: see, as a person, he's cool, but I don't like him because he uh, he beat the Eagles in two thousand two in the year we should have won the Super Bowl the first time.
0: All right. Enough. 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 Anyway. Enough. All right. Um, so uh the ethics of tanking, it's finally here because Brett, I said earlier in the podcast that my heart wanted us to win, my brain wanted us to lose when the Giants scored the game winning touchdown. My brain won on Monday night because I said, Oh fuck. I didn't yeah, I didn't get excited. I said, Oh fuck. Like mm. like bad. Um, so I've also made the decision that it's okay to start cursing on this podcast. Um, okay. <laughs> decision. Because John Boyd did it. He's a god of
2: some yeah. sort.
0: Yeah. He's he's a he's a mythical legend. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, ethics of tanking. I've done some scholarly research. Sports management is a major in school. I don't know well, if you guys knew that. Of course it is. It's a big-time <laughs> major. Sports management. I, so, I read some scholarly articles. I went on Google Scholar. I googled tanking i googled the ethics of tanking and i got some interesting things but actually not a lot of research has been done on this so really? yes See,
2: the, the way i approach things i do zero research and i just start spitting out things which that, that, is that's why how i
0: approach it which is why you're here <laughs> and i didn't tell anybody to look at the document of notes
2: why why thank you i mean that that's
0: that, that's just my style all right so um First question, heading into this conversation, how are we going to define tanking? What is its source? Is it from the players? Is it from the front office? Is it from the coaching? How are we going to define tanking moving forward for this conversation?
1: I would say that I I define it from ownership. I define it it from ownership and the coaches because I would say most players in most any sport are – all, almost always hundred percent on board with winning, um, and because it, it's their livelihood, just as you know, you know it's it's their career, it's their livelihood. So they're trying to support families, their own career. Whereas more often than not, ownership has a bit of has a bit of a longer leash. So I'm I'm defining it personally as kind of an intentional intent. Just I don't know, it's not intentional losing, but. Just kind of from it's, it's an ownership and coaching perspective that puts next year ahead of this year.
2: I, I pretty much I agree with you very I mostly agree with you. What I will say is that it's it's taking the extreme long game it's, it's not just next year it's not even the year after that or the year after that to really seriously tank. You're looking like five-plus years down the road if you're actually – now, I'm thinking of the NBA way. Now, in football, if, if you actually truly tank, it's going to be longer than five years because you have a whole large roster to build. It's not to me – of course, the quarterback is important. And honestly, I don't think tanking should be a goal at all in football. It should, I think basketball, it has merits. But in football, you shouldn't do that. I don't, think, I, I don't think there's the same benefit in football as there is t- to basketball.
0: The Washington Post had a very, very good article on tanking where, where sports management scholarly research lacks. The Washington Post really brought, the, really brought their ballgame here. So Washington Post defined it as involving the practice known as tanking. It's loosely defined as the systematic writing off of entire seasons by franchises hoping to rebuild for future success through the draft. Yeah. And then the 2017 Sports Marketing Association conference, they simply defined it as putting forth effort to lose. So that that was so that kind of combines I think both of kind of your your definitions. Yeah. yeah. Cuz you're trying to lose. And there's no doubt about it. You don't you don't put that
2: many poor borderline not even nba players or nfl players on the roster with the goal of winning you just don't you know you're going to lose a lot
0: of games now i want to bring up the jets last year because you can definitely argue that the and this was a big conversation if you're a listener of the michael k show they had a lot of discussion on this and the jets last year are a clear example of a team that is arguably debatedly who was actually trying to tank the fact that they barely spent any money in the cap last year. They, you know, they would spend money on veterans and reload, reload, reload instead of rebuilding. So last year, the jets didn't do any of that. They cut ties with Decker. They cut ties with Marshall. They cut ties with Geno Smith. They cut ties with a lot of people, Nick Mangold, um, Sheldon Richardson, Muhammad Wilkerson. They let go all of these you know, guys that are pretty talented, somewhat pretty talented guys, and that can help the football team, they let go. But they were giving younger guys the opportunity to play and go out there and go for it. They even gave Josh McCown another opportunity, which you needed some kind of quarterback. They competed for a good portion of the year. I I think they only won five games. They competed for a good portion of the year. They competed a lot of football games. So I want to look at the Jets, kind of obviously looking at it now after last season, the Jets were not tanking. They went out there, they competed in a lot of football games. But before the season, if you remember back to that Jets roster, the fact that they didn't read that they barely retained any of their big players from 2 years ago. Do you think in that way that the Jets were tanking?
1: No, I don't think so. I think we need th- I think there's like a a, a- you need to distinguish the difference between tanking and rebuilding because I do think they're different things. Um, Justin, I know we've talked a lot about um, on here, especially uh, two weeks ago when the Giants traded Eli Apple and Damon Harrison, and we all thought that at least one more guy was probably on the move, whether it was Jenkins or uh, Olivier Vernon. There's something to be said for still attempting to win football games, not not necessarily looking like only towards the draft, but also kind of gutting your roster and saying, we need to restart here. we got some bad contracts. We've got some guys that we don't want to pay, you know, whatever reason it is a guy like, you, you know, you bring up the jets. Nick Mangold was old, had was hurt, was starting to get hurt consistently. Um, Muhammad Wilkerson was inconsistent at best, and they probably knew was going to require a bit of a payday. Eric Decker, another one, never really panned out in New York from Denver. So I don't think they tanked. I think they more look they more analyzed their roster and said we need to we need to try something new. I don't consider that tanking.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't consider it tanking either to be honest. I mean, I, I think they were still trying to compete at a certain level, just not a very high one. They were trying to look at younger players that they thought perhaps could develop into better players and and I agree they didn't want to pay some of these veterans cuz they knew they weren't going to compete for a Super Bowl that season. So if you know that, it's better off to look at your younger players with the idea that you do need a franchise quarterback. You need you need that franchise quarterback to win a Super Bowl. There's no doubt about it. Besides of a, a very maybe a couple exceptions. You do need that guy. So, you know, maybe taking a step back to draft that guy in Darnold, I think is perfectly acceptable. Now, when other teams take losing to an extreme, I personally think that's pretty unacceptable, and I guess we'll get further into that.
0: I frankly think, now, again, a lot, you know, Brett, I think your perspective and also David, your perspective came from – Tanking is a front office managerial source. Like, where is its source? And it comes from that. I think the Jets had full-on full intentions of winning three football games the previous year, but they won five, and they competed in a lot more, and they gave away a lot of other football games. But their overall intention, and again, if you look back to the Washington Post definition, where they're writing off entire seasons— you're writing off an entire season, so I guess you know if you want to bring this to the Giants now. The Giants now have how many games are left? Seven or eight? Seven, uh, Seven. Seven. So now the Giants are in a seven-game season, and they've said that that's been that that's been the quote that I've seen. We're in a we're in an eight-game season. Yeah. We're in a seven-game season. So guess what? I if I, if I if it were me, I would write off the entire seven-game season. Neither here nor there. Next question. Now I'm a big now you if you listen to the Yankee podcast, you know that I've said this multiple times that Aaron Boone's lackadaisical approach would be a slap in the face to fans who pay good money to go and watch those Yankee games if they're just going to punt baseball games in exchange for resting of players because it's a one hundred sixty two game season. I would like to know before I spend money and i and I spend my entire day at the ballpark so is this mentality of you know, writing off entire seasons, is that a slap in the face to the fans who pay good money?
2: Yes. That, that's the biggest problem I have with tanking. I, I mean, you have season ticket holders. You have a lot of diehard fans. And you can't just do that to these, to these fans year after year. I understand one, maybe two bad seasons, but you can't just be awful for four or five years and expect that to be okay it's just it's just not okay personally you know who i'm getting at here but i'm yeah but what i'm saying is what the sixers did was not okay in in my opinion what the sixers did was was not okay And, and honestly I think tanking is a truly tanking is a very risky business. People keep saying, Oh, it's so simple. You just lose a bunch of games. And then the NBA, especially it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a league of superstars. And so you lose a bunch of games and ideally you get the first overall pick and you draft or the second or, or whatever, definitely a top three pick and you draft a star player. But as we've seen, it's not that simple. And and overall, you look at so many other very successful franchises; they don't tank. They're bad for like one season, and they draft a generational player. You know, like, you know, like the like Spurs did, for example. Like in the late '90s, they 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 got Duncan. Yep one one bad season, they got Duncan. I'm not saying every team's that lucky. But you don't have to be awful for a bunch of seasons to really rebuild a team
0: into a champion, is what I'm saying. David, I know you have to go in a few minutes, so if you want to give your two cents on the kind of like, is this kind of mentality a slap in the face to fans and fans who pay money, and then I know you got to run, so then we'll say goodbye to you.
1: Well, I don't know. I think... I think it it does differ, differ from sport to sport, and Brett, you, you mentioned this earlier. Um, you talked about how it's it's a lot different from the NBA to the NFL, because I think the NFL it's, to properly tank in the NFL, generally you're tanking for one player. you're mm-hmm. tanking for one position, um, whereas especially in today's, in today's NBA, you're tanking, you know, take the Sixers, for instance, initially you know, one of their first tank jobs was for Ben Simmons and Ben Simmons plays, can can literally play the one through the four. So it's a little bit, I think for a fan of an NBA team, it may be a little bit easier because with every player, you you might be getting more return quickly. Yeah. Um, Whereas with the NFL, you know, take a Giants fan for instance, right now. So, You win four games, right? You go four and 12. You've got the third pick in the draft. You draft a quarterback. The Giants have so many more needs than just quarterback. They've got needs on the offensive line. They've got needs in the secondary. They've got needs on the defensive line. So I don't really think, kind of to your point, the risk versus the reward in the NFL, I think, is completely off. I think it's the odds are so stacked against tanking working in the NFL um, that I think it is completely unfair to fans to – sit in the stands and have to, you know, watch your team lose, you know, 45 to 10 or, you know, not to mention NFL games are significantly more expensive than any other, than any other sporting event. Cause there's only 16 of them. So,
0: and also PSLs, the giants, good well, old, yeah. good old giants with the PSLs. They're one of the only teams in the NFL that does that. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think it's unfair either way, any way you look at it, but I think in the NFL, it's, not only unfair but even just from like a a business perspective it doesn't make any sense um because ultimately sports teams are their companies their corporations and their customers are the fans so Mm -hmm. your best bet from a business business model is to make your customers happy and the way you make your customers happy is you at least put guys on the field that you That, you know, when I go to a Giants game, it's because I want to see Odell Beckham. I want to see Sterling Shepard. I want to see Landon Collins. If suddenly, you know, if suddenly we were intentionally not putting guys around Eli Manning to try to succeed, I, I would start to care less and less. Instead, you know, I don't think the Giants are actively tanking. So you're looking at a situation where I truly believe going into Sunday, they're trying to win this football game, which is why I'll be in the seats. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the game this Sunday and I'm very excited about it. And I'm going to buy food and I'm going to buy drinks. And that's ultimately what they want. So, yeah, in the NFL, it doesn't make any sense. And I think it's a slap in the face to fans.
0: I think there's a huge problem with what you just said. Really? Yes. This is, this is what is wrong with the New York football giants as a fan base. You go because you want to see Odell, you go because you want to see Landon. You go because you want to see Shep. You go because you want to see Barkley. You don't go because you want to watch a football team win. People go to training camp, not because they want to watch a team. They want to go and they want to see their favorite player. There's nothing wrong with that. In in a way, there's nothing wrong with that. But then if that's your approach, and if that's the way that you're going to, you know, as long as I'm seeing Eli, as long as I'm seeing Odell, hey, Odell had a good game. Hey, Saquon had a good game. Hey. But in our last 30 games, we've won four games, three games, Uh, five, five. All right. All right.
1: Get your facts straight. (laughs) Come on now, Justin. Okay.
0: Okay. (laughs) You know, so uh, that's, that's the issue that, you know, you know, you're seeing all these guys and you know what, you're going to go because it's, it's like you're going to go see a Broadway play. Right. But the broad, but the show stinks. It's like it's like seeing Rus- Russell Crowe's a really big name. He was terrible in Les Mis, right? And you would you don't want to see if they were to make another Les Mis, even though Russell Crowe died in the movie. I'm sure that was probably the best part of Les Mis for a lot of people, when Russell Crowe died. There wasn't
2: a best part. I saw that movie. I was tricked into watching that movie. By the way, <laughs> nobody ever told me it was going to be a musical. And only, and only
0: they, they only sing. I never knew that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wasn't excited about going to, but I'm like, ah, you know, the, the general story seemed kind of interesting, the whole revolution thing. So I'm like, all right, that's, that sounds cool. But then they just wouldn't stop singing. And I was, I was losing my mind in there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, Dustin, I, I understand what you're saying. And what I'm saying is, I want to see Saquon on field. I want to see Odell. I want to see Shep. I want to see Collins because I truly believe they give the team the best chance to win. Now but I, they, do, but I they now, don't I do understand now that that's, that's a disagreement, but I, I believe they do now. I do understand there are a lot, there are a ton of people who go. And when you see it, the most is when the teams are bad. You know, when the giants are struggling and you go to a week 14 game, and you see some of the people there in the stands that maybe aren't usually in the stands, they're there just because they want to see Odell make a one-handed catch. And I understand. So I, to that point, I understand, because ultimately all that does is make Giants ownership think, we're still making money. It doesn't really make a difference. Yeah, I personally believe, if, if I went to the Giants game this Sunday, and all of a sudden we started giving, I'm trying to think of a good example, we started giving Corey Coleman, Uh, more snaps than Sterling Shepard. And uh, Evan Ingram, for some reason, wasn't getting on the field. And we played Curtis Riley and uh, whatever other safety instead of Landon Collins because we want to see what we have and we want to see what the young guys can do. That would make me really annoyed. Not so much because I'm not able to see Sterling Shepard, but because why am I I here if I'm not going to see our best players try to perform to the best of their ability? I don't have a point. There's no point in me sitting in the seat.
0: That's a great bridge. That's kind of what I'm saying. That's a great bridge to a different topic. Okay, well, I'm going to hop off here then. All right. David Powis, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me as
1: always, Justin. Brett, lovely to meet you virtually. Let's go Giants. I'll probably talk to you guys next week. Goodbye. Later.
0: Brett, can you tell me what um, utilitarianism is? Utilitarianism? Yeah, I'm going to take you back to your philosophy 101 class.
2: <laughs> um, basically, oh crap, I don't even know off the top of my head. I, I don't want to embarrass myself by, not giving, but by giving a definition that's way off. Like using, using a resource for your benefit.
0: Using a resource for your benefit. Okay, all right. All right, so what utilitarianism is, it's basically decisions, actions that if they are right – are useful for the benefit of the majority. If an yeah. action is right, if it if an yeah. action that promotes happiness?
2: Sure. Yeah, that's right.
0: The greatest happiness, the greatest number, the greatest amount of happiness mm-hmm. that should be the guiding principle of conduct. So basically, what the, in, in simpler terms, yeah, the outcomes of an event, an action, it's greater than it's more valuable than the process as to how you got there. Yeah, the ends ultimately justify the means. Yeah, that, that, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, so in that kind of mindset, and David brought up a great point where what really makes tanking in football different than baseball and basketball, especially you see it in baseball now. Mm-hmm. And in football, if you do, in, in my opinion, the Giants, all they need to do is they need to do it this year. And if tank this year, they need that's that's what I think they need to do because they need to get their quarterback. Okay, so and you believe Herbert is that guy? I have no other choice but to think that right now. Yes, you do actually. You have a choice. There's some. There's a good guy out of West
2: Virginia. um, No, you always have a choice. You could choose not to tank this year with the with an eye towards next year. And that Clemson guy, that Clemson
0: guy looks amazing. He looks way better than Herbert. It's way, it's way too early. I, it, I think, frankly, to talk about who's going to come out or who's not going to come out, or you know, because really, at this time last year or at this time two years ago, whenever Paxton Lynch came out, Paxton yeah. Lynch was was at one point on a pace to be the number one pick of the draft, and that was around this time of the year. Um, Baker Mayfield was not on pace to be the number one pick in the draft last year. Frankly, Baker Mayfield wasn't really on pace to be the number one pick of the draft two nights before the draft because everybody thought that he may go in the yeah. middle of the first round. But regardless, you know, that's looking like it's kind of panning out. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's a little it's a little too early. Um, yeah. And I'm frankly, if the Giants come out and they say that we didn't feel that our quarterback was in this draft after saying the same thing last year, I'm going to get upset because what are you waiting for?
2: Yeah, yeah. What are you waiting for? I agree with that. I mean, yeah, I I didn't realize they said that last year. Yeah,
0: that's why they took Saquon because they didn't like any other any other quarterback options last year. So if they say that again this year, especially that's why it's so important to position yourself in the right spot. Because if you do it right, I'm not saying that the Giants have to do it for the next five years. I want them to tank this year so they don't have to do it for the next five years or so they aren't forced to do it in a way where, because they're
2: already, they're already kind of tanking this year. Anyway, they're losing games.
0: Yeah. Now I'm not, now, obviously I don't think what I'm, I'm not coming out and saying that even if the giants wanted to win games, they're going to lose a lot more football games this year. Yeah. But I think this is simply just kind of like a fun conversation of saying the, you know, kind of like the ethics behind it and whether it's right or wrong. All right. So here's a good question. Here's a good question for you. Mm -hmm. Like I said, to do it right in football and and especially with this roster that the New York football giants have, to do it right, they only need to do it once, and that's this year. And if they get their guy at quarterback, they should be set, and then you can follow the Philadelphia Eagles formula, the Seattle Seahawks formula with Russell Wilson, the Los Angeles Rams formula with Jared Goff, the Kansas City Chiefs formula with Patrick Mahomes, and the list can kind of go on. The Chicago Bears formula with Mitchell Trubisky. Draft your young quarterback, spend a shit ton of money elsewhere. Go insane. Build yeah. from the draft with the good core of guys, but then you have the money since the quarterback money is not on the books, have the money and spend it elsewhere. Trade, get whoever you want. Okay. That's why that's, that's, that's my plan in my brain. I look at those teams and I look at what they did. The Colts with Andrew Luck, except they just don't know how to build a team properly. Yeah. Um,
2: well, aren't
0: you worried about that with the with the uh, Giants? Absolutely. It's a chance that you have to take. But to see how successful those teams and those quarterbacks are that I just listed to you, whoever thought that Mitchell Trubisky would be the guy that he is now? But if you put a good football team around him and you yeah. spend elsewhere, hey, hey, you know, it's it's worked. Where did the Chicago Bears come from? Where did the Los Angeles Rams come from last year?
2: But 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 you know what you really need though? The the Rams, you know what the Rams have? An A plus plus quality offensive line. Absolutely. They have the best offensive line in football right now. There is it's no accident that Jared Goff looks great, that Todd Gurley looks great, and that all the weapons that they have on the outside are Tavon, Tavon Austin,
0: I guess. Um I don't know. Brandon Cooks. I don't know. Tavon Austin isn't even on the team anymore, but it's Brandon Cooks and it's Brandon Cooper Cup. To me, they're the same guy. I'm sorry. Yeah. The no, it, it really, it really doesn't matter who they put in there. Yeah, exactly. doesn't matter who they put in there. Um, Brandon so Cupp, there was somebody else. There's somebody, another really quick receiver. Coop, Cooper Cup. He just tore his ACL, unfortunately. And then I honestly can't even tell, I can't even tell you who the tight end is. That's, I mean, but they're just, they're that, that good. Just like Tavon Austin. I, I I forget I, I forget the guy's name. That's that's such. the point. You don't you don't need you don't need Saquon, you don't need Beckham, and I'm not saying that I don't want them. I'm just saying that to be successful in today's NFL, you need a good system, which I really do think the Giants have, but then you also need players that can execute that system and you need a quarter I'm sorry, you need a quarterback that can move. And I'm not saying you need Mike Vick. I'm saying you need a quarterback that can just move his freaking legs. So yeah. We're, and we've, David, David and I have talked about this with the Giants episode. We've circled round and round. So this is the question that I kind of want to ask. And then we're going to wrap up in a few. Okay. Why do you play the game? And I'm going to, we'll stick with football here. Why do you play the game of football? Do you Hello? play the You play to win. to win the game? Yes. And really, <laughs> that, really that's, you know, do you actually play to win the game? Or do you play to go after a Super Bowl and a championship? Do you get the difference between the two yeah, of kind absolutely. of like what I'm asking? Uh, no, it's a good question. It's a good question.
2: Well, you you do both, obviously. Well, it depends who you are. If you're a player, you play to win the game. Absolutely. If you're the GM, if you're the ownership, you play to win the Super Bowl. So you're not you don't you're not playing to win next week or the week after per se. You're 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 playing to win the personnel game so you so you so you're looking at two three years down the road when you or, or you're looking at this draft to see if you got a quarterback coming up and then you're looking at two to three years down the road you know when you can put together a full team around him or 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 whenever you have the opportunity to put to put a, put together an offensive line enough weapons to win a Super Bowl
0: right 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 so basically it's kind of like a a micro thinking versus macro thinking you know micro small picture macro big picture and as fans I mean I'm kind of just like thinking about as a fan here because obviously you know players you know they're playing to earn their paycheck and they're playing to earn a bigger paycheck Mm -hmm. and the way you have to do that is by results yeah as a GM you're playing to keep your job and you're playing to win championships. That's, that's why you're doing it. But again, but you know, as, as fans, you know, what, what are we, what are we rooting for? Are we rooting for again? I like see Giants fans celebrating, you know, winning this week. And I'm like next year. And as a fan who's been to over 60 Giants games, there are games that I can't even remember that I've been to Mm -hmm. because of the fact they're in such fruitless seasons like the years that we went six and ten seven and nine yeah they were fun they were fine but can i honestly tell you a single game from those seasons that i went to as a giants fan and i spent the whole day going to metlife stadium there are some days where i can't even tell you like what happened but you bet your ass that 2011 season that 2007 season, that 2008 season, even the you know the season after that we won that Super Bowl and we went 13 and three slash I think we went 12 and four. You bet your ass, I, I remember those games. You bet your ass. Wait, hold um, on.
2: you guys. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I don't remember individual seasons, so you will have to refresh me because you're a Giants fan.
0: You guys had a great season the year after you won the Super Bowl in 2007 against the Patriots. Yes, and you want to know who we lost to in the divisional round of the playoffs at. The old Giants Stadium? Didn't didn't you lost to the Eagles? You lost we lost to the Philadelphia Eagles in brutal fashion. They were they were underdogs by a long shot. The Giants yeah. the Giants were going to repeat as Super Bowl champions if Plaxico Burrs did not shoot himself in the leg. <laughs> oh my
2: goodness, that's right. Oh
0: yep. my. Yep. Dominic Hickson became our like number two receiver next to Steve Smith because Amani Tubin retired. So it was Steve Smith, Dominic, Steve Smith, Steve Smith, who's a who's a a, a slot guy, a third down slot mm-hmm. guy, and yep. then it, Dominic Hickson and Kevin Boss. That was that was it.
2: Goodness. That so, was you know. So these names, we're, we're going back.
0: Yeah, we're, we're, we're going back. And going back. So really, to me, we'll wrap up in a few. But really, what has changed and kind of. How my mindset has changed throughout the years. And I mean, granted, I was a small little boy going to Giants games and now and now I'm a, a little bit of a bigger boy. Um, <laughs> but really, even just in those few years, the wave of analytics-driven executives, and this is, I believe this is from the Washington Post article, the wave of analytics-driven executives who have taken over the front offices of pro sports teams and are at least as Conversant in cost-benefit analysis, again, cost-benefit, utilitarianism, what's the greatest happiness, greatest outcome. Mm. Conversant in cost-benefit analysis and risk management, as in points, assists, strikeouts, you name it. It has created a sort of groupthink in which it has become accepted wisdom that finishing at the bottom is better than finishing in the middle of the pack. And it is. And, and it is in the and the NBA
2: in really in almost any sport it is now I, I don't I don't like the Astros example at all and I'll tell you why they first of all they cheated you remember that right How did they do it How did they cheat They stole the Cardinals scouting reports and stuff Oh. And the, and the, and the
0: data So there's even more ethical analysis to go into this Oh boy yeah there, there's your there's more of your utilitarianism right there was
2: that would that means that that did that justify the answer of course it did. they won mm-hmm. they won the World Series that's right so of course it I mean t- t- tell me if the Yankees could cheat tomorrow and just I don't know who who has
0: who has the smartest people right now I don't know cheat off the Red sox or or the white no the white sox the white sox have the best farm have one of the best farm systems and they've been tanking. Yeah, But the thing is, I thought, personally, the White Sox
2: were one of the teams I was watching going into last season because of all their good young talent. Sometimes it just doesn't pan out. We'll see if it does with the White Sox. We'll see. But sometimes it just doesn't. And it is, to me, it is more likely to strike out like that. Sorry about that. Uh, (laughs) It's more likely to strike out like that than hit on almost literally. The only pick the Astros missed was Mark Appel. That was the only pick they missed of all those high first round picks. They nailed the rest of them. And there's a lesson in there, right?
0: Don't pick a pitcher high. Don't mm. do that. Pick yeah. players highly. Yeah, don't pick running backs with the second pick of the draft, Dave Gettleman. Yeah,
2: well, I, I think there, there are some similarities in there. I mean, I, obviously, I love, I love Saquon Barkley. He's... One of my top to me, it's Barkley and Wentz. Those are my two favorite football players right now. Penn State um, guy, yeah, because I'm a big Penn State fan, yeah. And Barkley is, is the is the biggest class act you'll ever come across. He is, and he's also the most talented player I'll come across, too. <laughs> it's
0: amazing. The
2: yeah. you don't see it.
0: All right, so uh, I'm sure this is going to be
2: there's an so ongoing fun.
0: conversation.
2: I, I, we need a part two, we need a part, yeah.
0: Two. We're gonna, we're gonna need a part two, and this, this, we may, I don't know. I may even, we may even release a part two this week. Yeah. But we, 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 may do a part two because this is a, it's a really important conversation. And again, like I'm not set. It's so tough because as a fan, I've never been in this position before. And I'm not speaking on like what I want the players to do or what I want managing to do, but it's kind of like, how should I feel as a fan? Like, what should I want as a fan? I'm not saying that I want, I want Dave Gettleman to do this, or I want the players to do that. You know, you heard Brett asked me what I think about, you know, getting the quarterback. And I said, I don't know. It's just too, it's too early. So how do I, how do we feel as a fan? And that's what I really like, want this podcast to be. It's like, how should we feel and react as fans who are, and I like to say that, and I like to think that I'm an informed fan. I'm a progressive forward thinking fan rather than kind of just like complaining and freaking out. I do freak out, but freaking out over, uh, over some little things that maybe don't matter or aren't informed. So, um, Brett, do you have any, um, any kind of final thoughts for this episode that will be continued to be continued?
2: yeah well what i'll say is it, honestly I, I love the fact that you brought up utilitarianism that, that that's, that's a that's a, to me that's the, that's the center of all this mhm i think that's the reason why you, why you why you brought it up and herbert do do you, do you believe that he's your guy and, and if you believe he's the guy you do whatever it takes to get him cuz franchise quarterbacks win super bowls that's right so i don't count losing you know being bad for one season fine even if you're doing it quote on purpose i'm i i do not know what that means i mean right are, are the players not playing hard i, I don't think so What whatever but okay let's say you're bad for a season and you draft herbert that's not tanking that's just doing what makes sense in the end i mean right. you know, and, and you might say well tanking for multiple seasons in certain sports like basketball that makes sense and eh, i i i i don't think so i just don't think so i i think a team should have a vision in their mind of the kind of players they want to have on their team and if you have that you don't need to be terrible you look for them in the draft and you build that kind of team. The Warriors—they drafted Curry. Not I mean what the top, maybe top ten at the end of the top ten-ish, eighth or something. They weren't good, but they weren't like tanking. They were just not mm-hmm. a team. Yeah, you know, but they but they wanted to build a three-point shooting team, and they have, and they've and 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 they've been a great team.
0: Analytics-driven. So, yeah. And that's the problem you brought up. You have to have an idea of what you want your roster to be. And also identity, like kind of, I think this is kind of like an old, I think this is kind of like an old school value, but this is one that I actually do appreciate because if you look at that 2007 Giants team or the 2011 Giants team, or even the Eagles last year, every great team has an identity. They have a rallying call. Mm -hmm. All in 2011, everybody's all in. The Eagles last year, they were the underdogs. They embraced that. They have an identity. 2007, quarterback eating pass rush machine. That was their identity. The New York football giants don't know, and they haven't known for a long time. They haven't known what their identity is. So again, kind of like combining new school mentality of kind of, you know, what what do we do? uh, You know, how do we react as fans, but then also wanting the team to come up with an identity and, Mm -hmm. you know, are we, are we going to be a team that tries to live in the past and with an aging quarterback? And are we going to say that running back as a position is, has more value to it than it actually does because Dave Gettleman's trying to preach these old school values that are outdated are we going to be an analytics driven team? That's going to just sign position players and draft position players, but then ignore the offensive line, which is fine if you want to do that, but then you need a quarterback that moves. We don't have a quarterback that moves. So again, all of these conflicting things and it's resulted in a terrible football team and a terrible stretch of 30 games that has only resulted in five wins, which I now know is, which I now know is five.
2: Russell Wilson has, has dealt with not having an offensive line for basically his whole career. Right. Right. And he's been great at doing that. And I, and I think he's a very special player. It's not like you're going to go out there and draft the next Russell Wilson. Right. If you draft a Herbert or who, whoever is at the top of the draft. You're not going to do that necessarily.
0: So this is going to be an ongoing conversation. Like we said, I thought this was, this was go- I thought this was pretty good. I think even once now that we have our building blocks, I think our next conversation, maybe this week, is going to be even better. This has run a little bit long. We apologize. And I don't um,
2: see where the Giants are getting their getting their identity, and I, that's my last point. I, yeah. I I don't see the Giants' identity coming together yet.
0: ring ling Okay, um, so that's a uh, that's it. Bleeding blue. Um, you may hopefully we'll see us this week, but if not, the Giants, New York Football Giants, play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in um in uh, MetLife Stadium this Sunday at one o'clock. Jason Pierre-Paul will be reunited with MetLife Stadium. Um, If you're going to the game this Sunday, wear your JPP jersey. If I were going to the game, I would be wearing my Jason Pierre Paul jersey. And um, that's that's that. Root for the Giants um, in my heart. I want them to win. In my brain, I want them to lose. So that's where I'm going to leave you with that. Keep on bleeding blue, everybody. Peace out.